Western Teacher Live, talking about public education, unionism and much more. Hello and welcome to Western Teacher Live, the podcast of the State School Teachers Union of Western Australia. It's been a huge week for the union with a major announcement last week about funding uh, between the state and federal governments. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Matt Jarman, president of the SSTUWA, to discuss uh, those major announcements and and what comes next in regard to funding. Matt, why is this agreement um, in principle so important? Um, between the federal government and the state government about the future of funding of public education? Well, you're quite correct, Bob. It is a very significant announcement, $1.6 billion by the end of 2026. And it is significant because it's taken us a decade to get there. We're talking about an inequity gap between the uh, different school systems that we've had in our country that has taken a generation of students uh, for us to bridge that gap. And that is an unacceptable position. The reality of $1.6 billion is that it is a very significant amount of money and it will cause change and it will lead to improvement, but it's still not full funding. So both the federal and the state minister telling us that we have now reached a full funding deal is not the case. We are going to be a state at 96%. That gap of 4% is worth $230 million or thereabouts every year. And that's a lot of money in of, its, in of itself. $230 million is being used to pay for the curriculum authority, which the independents, the Catholics and the public school system all have equal access to, but only the public school student pays for it. And then the rest of that $230 million is used for something which I refer to as a levy now. It's a capital depreciation tax. We don't know where that money goes. We don't know how that money circulates itself back to public education. But certainly looking at the capital infrastructure of our public schools, it's clearly not circulating back and making that much of a contribution, if any at all. So we would still like to see the 4% uh, if we are going to talk about having a full and equitable funding model restored to our uh, public school students. But as for how we distribute the $1.6 billion, we need details of the agreement. I notice that Minister Booty has said that there is an uplift clause within this new agreement. That is that if any other state or territory uh, signs up to a better deal than what WA has signed a statement of intent towards, then that better deal will also apply to WA. But without knowing the detail of the rep- of the actual deal, then we can't speak to that at the moment. That's right. And in a future podcast, we'll talk about how schools might choose to spend the money, um, given that they have control over where it's spent. What the Federal Minister has made clear over the past uh, year or so is that there are certain elements that he thinks funding should be tied to. There's talk of small groups uh, for literacy and numeracy, that sort of thing. And as you say, until you know where the asterisks are going to be and, and where funding is tied and who will control how that money's accounted for, I suppose it is a, a bit of a mystery, but it's a mystery about an extra $1.6 billion, which is the good side of it. Absolutely. And look, some of the concepts that the Federal Minister has put forward are um, all quite worthwhile. 
But again, until we know the details of the deal, we can't really speak to that. For example, small group tuition, which we've heard the Federal Education Minister uh, regularly refer to in his press conferences and the like, uh, is, a, is a, a good thing to offer classrooms and students if you've already achieved smaller class sizes. You can't offer small group tuition without reducing the size of the class in the first place. And we have in WA the largest class sizes anywhere in the country, which is an absurd position when you consider that we are the wealthiest state in the country. So small group tuition number two, class size reduction number one. Again, we need to know the, the nature of the deal and there is a lot uh, that we need to find out with regards to how it's going to be distributed. There are more than enough system uh, accountability measures in place within our, within our system in our view. We don't need to see any more new uh, measures introduced for principals or, or others to explain how these funds are to be acquitted. The private school system does not have to provide any accountability measure back, as far as we are aware, to how they receive their 100 to 105% distribution of funds, and we don't see why the public school student or public school teacher and school leader should have to do that either. There are more than enough accountability measures across our system. So there are other complicated details that we still need to resolve uh, with the deal and through the Department of Education, and we've already sought to do that since the announcement. And in the, uh, to put this into context, nine years ago, these changes came in pretty much nine years ago to the day. It was originally the Gonski report. It was going to be the salvation of, of public education uh, and every school was going to get fully funded. And then sadly, it all got sidetracked off into a, a, a culture war, really the first and best perhaps culture war that we had in Australia over public versus private education. Um, and it has been a very, very long process to start reversing this drain away uh, from public education whilst private schools were being funded more than 100% of what they needed. There's a lot of work been done by a lot of people right back to the original um, I, give a, I Give a Gonski campaigns and all of those sorts of things. It's been a long road and a lot of people have done a lot of work towards that. This, this is a win for the Australian Education Union and all of its members, and of course all of those, that includes those in the state uh, branches around the entire country as well. This is a win for the teachers and the school leaders who have led the community discussions, for those who have activated themselves in multiple campaigns over those last 10 years. Many people have dedicated themselves to, to, to getting to this win and to, to achieving this outcome. And we really do need to acknowledge all of their hard work because without that, there is no doubt in my mind that this would not have made its way onto the political radar. And that's very important because we've watched education funding slide down the totem pole in Canberra and at state level for, for over a decade. Uh, it's As I mentioned initially, it's cost us a generation of funding. And what's happened, uh, in, you refer to it as, as a culture war, but what it really is is an inequity gap. And the size of the inequity gap now is going to take much more than just this agreement to, to restore. Uh, we don't have, for example, in this, in this deal at all, no mention of, let alone the 4%, there's no plan for what we're going to do about the capital infrastructure in our public schools. And we've spoken about that over the last 18 months in particular, but even before that as well, as to how the federal and state governments need to strike an agreement, something like a superannuation, uh, for example, sort of plan, where we turn around and draw down from that uh, accrued 
uh, funding and use that specifically for the maintenance and improvement of capital infrastructure. The gap of capital infrastructure between the private and public schools is totally offensive. We have public schools that don't even have an oval, yet we have uh, private schools that have got wellness centres and multiple auditoriums, orchestra pits, Olympic-sized swimming pools. It's just another issue that we still need to fight for and restore, and that'll be, uh, no doubt, uh, going forward, a major initiative of the AEU. And that uh, issue of infrastructure highlighted last week, of course, we had a school in WA, in, in the metro area, I think some of the regional schools are probably just going, huh, welcome to our world, but literally had to shut down because the air conditioner broke, um, and it was 45 degrees. So, so there are all sorts of different things that the government's going to have to confront, isn't it? It has been a government, state government, to be fair that's built a lot of new schools um, but there's such a backlog in others for for essential maintenance. Uh, There is and we can't just turn around and say well principals have the funding flexibility to to make those changes. They can replace those evaporative air conditioners with split systems and and so on and so on. Uh, They don't have enough money to be able to make those decisions. That's the first problem. The other part of the problem is we're forcing school leaders to make a decision between buying appropriate maths curriculum or whatever materials and not replacing that carpet or that evaporative air conditioner and, and the rest of it. There's not enough money. Uh, So this needs to be owned by the state and federal governments. They need to own the fact that we have got these uh, facilities around our community in the private school system uh, that nobody else has access to and they need to gap that for the community members, whether they allow access or they come up with a a capital infrastructure fund that allows those uh, buildings to be improved in our public schools. That's still to be seen, but certainly the Australian Education Union has been making a lot of noise about this to to state and federal government, and it's it's time now that that started to be redressed. But I can't emphasise enough that that 4% gap is also high on our agenda. Uh, This is a funding deal that is welcomed. Uh, we appreciate everyone's contribution to it, but we are not at full funding and the public school student is still underfunded when compared to the student going to the independent or the Catholic school. And as we have mentioned many times, something like two thirds of uh, senior school students and even more of them at primary level are educated in the public system, yet the private schools get the uh, the better funding deal at the moment, or at least more, more than 100%. Well, just to wrap that up, one of our uh, education economists, a gentleman by the name of Adam Rory, has simply coined it by saying the right amount of money has been going to the wrong students, the wrong students have been receiving the right amount of money. That's the best way to encapsulate the last 10 years. This $1.6 billion is a reverse of that. We welcome it. Uh, we, we hope for the best for all of our Eastern States comrades that they can also uh, strike a deal um, with the with the federal government that meets their needs, but they quite rightly are saying that it is full funding, and it is only full funding that we will we will respond to. So uh, we've taken a, a little drive down the the right road, and hopefully the right road leads to actual full funding, and that'll be the aim. And we wouldn't have got there without our members and those local campaigns and that coordinated state and national campaign as well. All right, well done and and thank you, Matt. And we'll, in our next podcast, discuss some of the ideas where schools might be able to use some of that money. For now, thank you for joining us on Western Teacher Live and please join us in a couple of weeks for our next podcast. Western Teacher Live, cutting through noise on public education and union issues.